This is Michael Tidwell. And this is Mike B. Casey. And today we have Tone Vase that we're interviewing. Tone, would you Thank like you for having me on. And Tone has some pretty interesting views. He's been in the Bitcoin space a while. I think you, it was 2013 when you got in? I got in 2013, but I started uh, making my presence felt in 2014. Okay. Would you like to give a little bit of a background about who you are, where you come from, and then how you transitioned uh, into becoming a Bitcoin person? Sure. Um, I um, started out working on Wall Street right before the financial crisis of 08. My first job was at Bear Stearns. So that was very interesting, watching the whole company implode. <laughs> from there, I moved on to JP Morgan Chase and a few other companies. And uh, also during that time around the 2012 campaign, I started listening to Ron Paul and started to get that feel of the libertarian movement. And that slowly gets you to a whole different set of bloggers and content creators. Uh, you get into the whole gold bug phase for a little bit. And uh, as things were happening in 2011, 2012, Bitcoin was slowly coming on my radar. I first heard of it during the WikiLeaks a discussion whether they should or shouldn't accept it as donations. Um, I, I didn't think much of it, but uh, you want to comment on that? Who, who, who won that argument between you and Junsa? It's still an argument. No, <laughs> okay. we're, we're, I'm, still, I'm still arguing this. But um, WikiLeaks? I am currently in a debate with a few people as to the effects of WikiLeaks on the price of Bitcoin because it was coming in at the same time as the Silk Road use case. Uh, but I heard of it because of the WikiLeaks angle. Silk Road wasn't really on my radar until way later than that so that brought me around 2013 when the events of cyprus were happening and money was confiscated right out of the banks and that's what got me up out of my seat to go out and look for some bitcoins to buy them at the time i was the only person i knew that had bitcoins besides the local bitcoin dealer that i bought from and uh in 2014 that's when the bitcoin center was opened and i started coming around to the meetups and I'm like, well, wait a minute, I have, I have stuff to say. So I started joining events and slowly becoming a speaker, creating a blog. And now I'm a content creator in the space as well. Yeah, you have your own podcast. Well, I do. Yeah. I have my own podcast. I do economics. I do trading. I've quit my job since then. Left Wall Street in 2015 and just been traveling and I guess evangelizing Bitcoin um, since then. And uh, my blog is called libertylifetrail.com. Uh, I'm very nice active on, <laughs> very active on Twitter as Tone Vase. Um, also have a YouTube channel where I talk about trading, and my new podcast is about to start soon, where I will also be talking with some of the uh, bright minds in the space. So, how, uh, is there anything you want to say about it? I know, I know, don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Well, nobody who's listening, uh, nobody listens to us, but still. It's going to be a podcast uh, where, we, where I try to find an expert on a specific topic and within the crypto space, and we would do a fireside chat about the topic uh, to see how legit it is as an investment, how legit it is as a project. And I do not want this to be a debate, so I have no interest in getting into a debate uh, with a scammer who's trying to convince the world that they have a good project. Um, I want someone that is a, already has a position on it and has done third-party research on that subject, and we have a quite similar opinion, and we want to express our opinion 
because I feel the more you debate scammers and there's a lot of scamming going on in the crypto space, the more you debate them, the more legitimacy you give them and the bigger of a voice they have. You can't give someone with a 5% opinion, 50% of talk time. So would you say that you're a libertarian that's Bitcoin retired? I wish I was Bitcoin retired. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I joined the space a little bit late. Um, so I did not have the opportunity to Bitcoin retired. I've also spoken out against uh, things that were obvious scams to me, like Ethereum and some of the other crypto coins, where some people got to retire off the speculation on those coins, which I never participated in. Real quickly, would you like to tell uh, the audience, why do you think Ethereum is a scam? Uh, there, this is actually, this will be on my own podcast and it'll probably be at least a three hour um, episode. So very briefly. Um, so <laughs> I, it's really impossible to sum it up. A project like Ethereum has so many pro problems with it. And there is like so many different scam angles to it that you really sound uh, borderline mental when you try to... Uh, explain all of them what what bothered me uh, there's two major things that always bothered me in ethereum one i saw the initial crowd sale as an illicit sale of a security that didn't even exist like when the sec came out with their security rules they have rules on the process you have to go through to sell a security um i didn't realize that the loophole will be well what if we sell it before it exists uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a loophole. Right. That's that, a Dell model. <laughs> so, and that's, uh, that, that turned me off from the beginning. And then just the realization of who needs decentralized Turing complete smart contracts. And I'm still trying to get someone to convince me that they're necessary for the world. And I just don't think they are. Your contracts aren't being censored. You want to talk about how you're doing this for like North Korea? Fine. I'll listen to you. But that's not the discussion. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I probably have differing opinions, but I don't want to get into a debate here because you know I think you'd want to save that for your your three hour. I mean, well, you, <laughs> you can you can, you can briefly yeah. go on it, but but well, then I mean, again, like when it came to the Dow, I have uh, my own video podcast three weeks before the Dow where I'm screaming into my camera, "Don't put any Ethereum in the Dow. It's gonna get stolen. It's gonna get lost. This is like the this. I know this is the only use case for Ethereum that you have found so far, but this is also the use case <laughs> that, will, that that will teach you what all of us Bitcoiners learned of how you lose your private keys permanently. Um, I didn't even. And again, a lot of these things, like I think they're bad, and then people tell me what an idiot I am to look into it, and that's when I realized that they're worse than what I thought they were originally. So when I was talking about. Um, even in my podcast, I say, all right, I'm going to play devil's advocate on myself and I'm just going to assume that your Ethereum will not be stolen. But like I gave way more credit to these developers. Like, like I talked about the use case. I'm like, the use case of the DAO is for your Ethereum to be stolen. But I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they're decent programmers and it's not going to get stolen. This is how you're going to lose your Ethereum. So I kind of ignored my original thing I wanted to talk about. I was like, no, they're not going to be that blatant. It's not going to be that stupid. And it was. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I would think what happened with the DAO, although being stupid, it was, it was terrifically stupid. I don't think it was malintentioned. I, I think but, you, it was... but here's the thing. You'll never know. That's you don't true. know if that bug was intentional. You don't know if they outsourced the developer inside 
their organization to that program is true. it. That you can, ne- you can you never will tell. Never, ever that's know. true. You can and never was, tell. And that's what I said. Like as the as I first heard of the DAO when it was started getting you know five million, then ten million. I'm like, you're never gonna know who hacked it. Well, the DAO was. That guy was, was. The whole thing was overly complex. I mean, and, and that's one thing that it, it showed us is that if you're doing well, that's anything, the Ethereum model. It's it actually, is the Ethereum it's model. It's actually what yeah. they've said. It's like no one is uh, Ethereum doesn't have competition because it's too complicated. That, that, <laughs> it, there, there's actually a blog post. Well, uh, I mean, from, no, like, I, I don't see. Or one I, of those I'd guys. like to just go back to the the assertion you made that, that, that we don't have a need for smart contracts. You know, uh, on a These, Turing complete, correct. centralized yes, smart yes, contracts. Yes. And I mean, there's we a, don't there's have a need for iPhones. Need. I mean, <laughs> well, I would I would say. It's almost like becoming popular now, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to to kind of realize that maybe smart contracts aren't necessarily needed on the blockchain. That you can, if you really need smart contracts, you can do something where that's done off chain well, and the computation is completely. Well, then it's not a smart contract. I no, mean, that's it's a smart the whole. Contract. I, I mean, no, I don't know. It depends. Oh, okay. It so depends on how you define a smart. That's contract. an interesting part. Like to me, a smart contract is self-executing. It doesn't. I don't think it needs to be. Well, self-executing, yeah, but I mean self-executing and 100% trusting that it will execute. Because even if Correct. you create a, okay, I could write a smart contract that's a program I've written. I have control over it and can change it at any time. It's no longer a smart contract because I can go in and change what the way it What if you don't works. have control over it? That's the whole point of the decentralization. But no, I mean there's other ways to give up control. Well, okay. Uh, I, I would you, agree, you, but you, I mean you, you're, you're, still, you're still involving a trusted third party. Not necessarily. You can involve a trust third party, but if they're holding encrypted data for you, they can't change it. Well, that's true, but that's not a smart contract. Encrypted data in and of itself is not a smart because it doesn't execute. No, no, no so, but, but, the exe- but they're responsible for the criteria that executes the contract. They don't but they don't have to do it. So there's nothing making them do it. Well, well, on, they, they wouldn't be a trusted third party if they, uh, if they didn't. They, they get paid to do it. Let, they let, get paid well, to execute. Yeah, but that's let, let, me, let me ask a quick question. Tone, do you think that Bitcoin sending a transaction and some of the things about Bitcoin right now are considered smart contracts? To me, it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so by um, by that definition, we're already doing smart contracts. Yeah, we, we, we yeah. are. A multi-sig on okay. the Bitcoin blockchain is a smart contract. I, I agree with that, but okay. the, the reason why it's useful is because you're afraid of censorship. So, if you are building a contract where censorship is a problem. Then I agree. You need to decentralize that contract. But but if the end result of your contract Our isn't necessity. isn't the censorship issue, I don't see why you need the inefficiency. I mean that makes that's where that, I that disagree. Does, that, but that does make sense to me though, Mike, because I, I understand you do it out of necessity, right? Is that what you're saying, Tone? I only use Bitcoin out of necessity and okay. occasional, and, and I have very few necessities for Bitcoin, and occasionally as an ideological purchase. Right. Yeah. And then I think I think. And this, this is my opinion. The long shot uh, argument for Ethereum is if they can actually figure it, figure out how to make this, you know, POS sharding network work to the point where it's almost, or if not, you know, the same kind of efficiency as like an off, you know, kind of trusted third party, then yeah, there's okay. a pretty good argument for that maybe. But then that's a long shot. But, but again, this is debatable, right? But you agree that this is debatable. Well, uh, yeah, no, I agree <laughs> it's debatable. Okay, so so well, let, me, let, me, let me just explain my definition of a smart contract, okay, which is a little bit different than yours. My definition of a smart contract is such that the bearer asset is already pre-programmed or predetermined to do what under what function, and there is no way to change that. But why do you need a bearer asset? Oh, I mean, that's a different different thing than the the, the definition of a smart contract. But I mean, it's different. I think I think we we I think the, you always need better whatever you have. Well, I mean, the, well, it's okay. progress. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna build on that, right? So if you if you have a necessity to use a better asset. 
yes, a decentralized smart contract is probably how you want to do it. But if your smart contract doesn't involve a better asset, then why do you need a decentralized well, smart because, contract? Well, because it's not a better asset because it – well, see, that's where the Turing completion comes in. Bitcoin – I don't know if you've seen Bitcoin's opcodes, but they're horrendous. I mean if you try to do anything in Bitcoin itself, it's its its own little world. It's it's not like programming something as easily as you could do. I would, I would argue that – That could be a feature, not a bug. I, I, well, I, I mean would, for certain applications, you're, you're very, very right. I would but, argue that Ethereum smart contract writing isn't necessarily a piece of cake. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's not. Just, it's not. Well, yeah. I'm not saying it's a piece of cake. I'm just saying it, it's much more straightforward and simple for your average developer to right. understand than See, is the actually, Bitcoin opcodes. I would say right now that's not necessarily true. Actually, the Bitcoin opcodes. I would say that. <laughs> I would say that Ethereum uh, smart contract writing actually is not straightforward at all. Okay. Uh, well. I, 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 currently, I, uh, I don't know if it's going to change, but I would say uh, the same opcodes are. Are harder or harder to understand than Ethereum smart contract writing. I don't know if that's uh, easy I, to say. Yeah, I mean, I, you can create a token with a couple of lines of codes in in Ethereum. It's, it's we can it's we can leave this part as debatable. Yeah. Now we're really going to my contract. So well, now we've already discussed two things that I don't like with Ethereum, right? So uh, now we're on two. I'll mention a third one, even though we can probably do this all day. Uh, my th my third <laughs> problem, and, and they're very different, right? Like the way that the, the way it launched from its use case. Oh yeah, yeah two that's, different that's, things, that's, right? It's just very so, different. So I have a whole third uh, problem. Um, I have a whole other problem with Ethereum, and in the fact that it's been created, um, nobody understands. No, no one has a consensus on what the Ethereum token should be. Some people see it as you know, a stock in Ethereum. Some people see it as gas that gets burned. Some people see it as a speculative token. And you have different programmers programming under this token in different ways. And I mean, why, why do they need an, an inherent token like to support the system, to run the system? And the argument that I always say is, and this is the same for all ICOs, for all of these projects. And the way I try to um, break it down in layman's terms like imagine what our dot-com bubble would have looked like or would it even have existed if every single um, startup in the tech space decided to use their stock as a native token of their product. So imagine you have to go and speculate a Netflix stock to then buy a Netflix movie, but or you have to buy an eBay stock to then buy on eBay. But Ethereum this is no more a company than Bitcoin is a company, right? Right, but, but Ethereum is promising, they created the speculative token to, for a product, right? So you can do, why can't, someone will do a smart contract with, bit, with, a, with a universal currency like Bitcoin mm -hmm. for that smart contract. Um, again, Ethereum using their own inherent token to, to use the product is the same as eBay using eBay stock to purchase on eBay. That's my, that's my uh, economic would, view would of you, it. Would you say a lot of these, um, or I guess this is ICOs in general. I don't know if this, yeah, is, this, is, I don't know if this, is, this is any different. Um, would, you, would you say, because I heard something interesting, a good comparison. I don't remember who I heard this from, but some of these ICOs is almost like doing their IPO before the company actually exists. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who kind of coined that. Uh, I've been saying it for a long okay. time. Okay, well, maybe I heard it from you, but I thought that was actually sounded pretty accurate <laughs> yeah yeah it it, 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 it it really decentivizes the developers and the people involved i think and or, it, or do you disagree well like it, it, so it really depends so so I, i've been following the alts since I was, I've, I've been following the space since 
of actually a like long time. 2011, 2012? 2011 is when I started reading about it. I didn't actually do any sort of partaking in it until like 2000, uh, 2012. Right, so but, same as me. One year later, for yeah. me, it was, uh, it, it, me it, it was way later. Well, I, yeah. It takes a while because when you first read about it, obviously you think it's just full of crap until, until you finally get into it and be like, oh, it actually does work. Um, but, but, so I've been following all the alts as they sprang up too. I mean, you, you, yeah, you remember when, when the alts began to spring. I remember when Litecoin just like became a thing. I, I remember, remember that. I remember when that. it went to yeah. 50. I was there for that. Yeah, but. I want to ask a very quick question because yeah. we're leaving the subject of Ethereum real quick. Uh -huh. Do you think that inside, uh, do you think the DAO uh, hack was an insider kind of deal? I don't know. I'll never know. I speculate, well, I predicted that it would be before the hack. Mm -hmm. uh, but after the hack, we'll never know. And um, I was just curious if you had like a yes or no kind of. Do you think I, if you had a gut guess on it? I, if I had a gut, I think they're too incompetent. Okay. So no. All right. All right. Sorry. Uh, it, I just, just want to ask that. I, it's question. possible that they did it on purpose, but someone beat them to it. I mean, there's the for all the incompetence, <laughs> all, all of the incompetence that I've seen. It's like, oh my God, we have this. We we, we put it in this hole. But let's wait till we get two hundred and fifty million dollars in it. Oh, one hundred and fifty gone. Um, so See, it's possible that they're that incompetent. But the, the thing is, they—I I don't think it's them. Just for one sheer simple fact, is—is is they're dealing in Ethereum, and, and the founders, them, the insiders, they already issued themselves more Ethereum. So no, it would—it would, would behoove them to grow Ethereum more as well, a, they could a catch dollar up price. Than, I have another reason why it's not them. It's a Mark Arpelis versus Big Vern situation. Uh, when it's you, oh, you burn, take the money. Yeah. When it's you, you take the money and disappear. Yeah. When it's not you, you end up in in, tr in legal trouble and in trouble. Because you stick around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good, good yeah. point. Good, good point. point. Yeah. Oh man, we all remember Neo and B. And uh, did you right, want to sure. did you want to continue on what you're talking about? You, you oh, mentioned yeah, Litecoin. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, just uh, I was just talking about the general patterns of altcoins because most of them have been the same, the same exact pattern. So I always price altcoins in BTC. I never look at a dollar price. Of course, but um, no, actually, which is that. which shows maturity, I think, in the Bitcoin space when you start, uh, you know, because obviously if Bitcoin starts the moon or whatever, and you see that these altcoins are also going up, like let's say fifty percent, you have to really price stuff in BTC yeah. to know if you would have done better. Yeah, yeah, you it's, really that's that kind of shows maturity, I think, in the space when people are pricing stuff in. Like I don't think it's maturity in the space so much <laughs> as it's just it's just realizing that. Um, is you you want to know if, if an altcoin went up if you're looking at a particular altcoin right. you want to know did it really go up or did just crypto go up and it went up right. with it because because that that will inform you as you know why right. did it go up which yeah. is the most important thing you're trying to determine is you know if you're trying to figure out what it's going to do in the future but um so what I find is they actually they all seem to follow a pattern most nearly all of the altcoins follow the same you know pump and dump pattern. Uh, and, and it's very similar to the one I described for Bitcoin, except for it usually does not recover as well. So, so initially they have their initial launch and they get an uber amount of hype. It goes way, way, way up to the floor and then falls. And then it stays dead or near too dead for a very, very long time. Um, and, and you've seen some resurgence from that initial peak, you know, like Dash, Monero a little bit. Ethereum was a different case though. Because every altcoin goes through this. Actually, oh, here, I, I made full charts of this. So I mm -hmm. put every coin, I know, I know this is audio. <laughs> so here are the only coins, here's a picture of all the coins that broke $1 billion market cap so at any point. So real quick for the audience, what, what coins are you showing? Um, so right now I'm showing Ethereum, Litecoin, um, Aurora coin, and which 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 was very short lived. Aurora 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 coin. Coin was that was super the that was the Swedish national coin. I think or? it was like it was, it was Iceland. Iceland. That's Iceland. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Iceland. 
Yeah. Uh, so the only three coins to ever breach a one billion dollar market cap, um, in order of how high they got, were Ethereum, Litecoin, and Aurora Coin. Very, very briefly, Ripple came close. The high for Ripple was eight hundred and fifty-seven billion in market cap. And I was looking at US dollars, and then I plotted all of the coins that broke the $100 million market cap. Uh, and it's a list of 12 coins, uh, actually 11, 11 coins, Doge came close. And I put Zcash on there because I am expecting a pump sooner or later yeah, it'll to get it there. Um, the only one that pumped twice over $100 billion was Dash, formerly Darkcoin. Right. Now, now you 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 think Zcash is going to hit a ramp up? I think it might. Um, is that I, something you'd speculate on? No, no, okay. not at this point. No, you can't. Definitely not. It was it was launched in the most horrendous. Economic I see that was way that possible. was the other one. So I said the two there are two exceptions to this this fundamental pattern of, of yeah. the the pump and dump because whenever a launch, an alt gets launched, it has an immediate pump and dump. And the only but thing, Dash couldn't do it because they didn't have any supply. I think, right. I so, think Zcash had the Zcash, greatest sorry. pump and dump. Zcash, Zcash. No, well, no, no, no. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't a pump. Supplies. It wasn't a pump. It was there weird. Were, there it wasn't was, any Zcash. There was no pump. pump. There was nothing there. No, but isn't that still kind of like when it went? To no, no. It, it, it didn't, it didn't but go market, from zero. It just started up up at the top. It started there because the market cap was low, right? So what what I foresee is I do foresee at some point Zcash hitting. Uh, the bill, the hundred million dollar market cap. Well, the question but is how low will it go? But it can then. always be a bad investment because the Zcash creation can slowly increase the market cap while the price of Zcash continues to, to go, go down. down and down and down. So no yeah. matter at what time you buy your individual Zcash, you will be losing money mm -hmm. while the market cap is going up. Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I, yeah. I think Zcash is a terrible investment. Yeah, and I think it, the, the way that they launched it. And so, so, but like I like I was saying, is every alt follows that pattern. It's the most interesting pattern. launch of any alt coin. It was very you interesting. Have to get, you I, uh, have I was to get, really into the potting I, I would say for the audience, <laughs> if you haven't read Peter Todd's, uh, I guess you'd call it his initiation of Zcash, how he was one of the people, it's a very interesting read. He'll be on my blog. We'll be talking about it. So, <laughs> so, um, but, but, uh, so all the alts, except for there's two notable exceptions to the, the pump and dump of the alts. And, and, and those are Ethereum and the recent Zcash. So Ethereum, because they had the crowd sale, so they avoided that entirely. The entire because they the had pump a happened off chain. <laughs> you know, the basically, pump, the, 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 it's not that the, the pump happened on chain, but they had. A distributed enough supply right it was already because of the pre-sale so mm. so they got to pump um we had a short intermission let's uh get back where were we, <laughs> where were we? oh, oh uh, i was speaking about uh just this the altcoin hype cycles and we were talking about how ethereum did the pre-sale which well, totally, the pre right so, so here's yeah. here, here's what they i mean everyone got something right i guess to make money um, so Ethereum hyped up the crowd sale, mm -hmm. the, the pre-mined sale of the coins. And then they sold the coins, but nobody can trade the coins. So they had another year to pump up yeah. the trading of those coins. Right. So they, they actually got to pump twice without any speculation involved. Yeah. And, and, and so that was the thing. Which was innovative. I, I, that. I held off on the Ethereum pre-sale because I thought it would follow the standard pattern. As soon as it got released, I thought everybody would dump it. I thought they were going to steal the money. Well, no, I, I honestly didn't think that that would happen, but I mean, they, you know, well, they ended up spending it on salaries and whatever, but. Um, so 
I would like to talk about something. Uh, Tone gave a really awesome presentation, in my opinion, where he was uh, correct to predict several things. Um, uh, I think most notably the, the recent low, he predicted uh, the right time, maybe not the right price, but actually when it was gonna maybe start going back up, uh, which was, was actually kind of impressive. You're drawing some channels. Do you want to talk about uh, that, that meetup talk you gave? Yeah, so at the meetup, I was showing, I've been doing these presentations on price for a while. And back in 2014, I wrote an article and I was just playing around with predicting interesting dates that would cause um, trend changes and potential highs and lows in the price of Bitcoin. And uh, I know some people are holding me to it and uh, some people are calling it astrology. But hey, I just put a formula to it and I said, okay, I will be paying attention to the following two dates in the next over the next four years of Bitcoin price and I threw two dates out there I threw out the date of June 16th uh, 2015 uh, and this, the, the article was written in August of 2014 so I threw out a date that was 10 months later uh, as a bit June, out there. June 16 2000 yeah. June 16 2015 as a critical date in the life of Bitcoin and my other date was about two years later, um, in middle of August 2017. Uh, I forgot which day, but it's in the article. We can do the math. I think it's like August 19th, August 12th, somewhere in the teens. And uh, I was expecting a low to come on that day, June 16th, 2015. It, it was not a low, but that date happened to fall on the Greek banking shutdown. Oh, yeah. Which... Um, <laughs> which to me, it, it wasn't a low, the price was in the low 200s at the time, and it did hit under 200, like three months earlier in January, and like a few months after. And, uh, but to me, that day signaled a trend change, mm -hmm. and uh, we've been going up ever since. Yeah, so interestingly, you're predicting in August of 2017 that the price will start to shoot up. I, I, again, I could be totally wrong here, but I'm looking for, uh, the price to shoot up into August. I don't know what would cause it. It could be segwit support, uh, realization that segwit's gonna pass, and uh, a couple of other things. But for whatever reason, um, I'm optimistic on Bitcoin going up. What, what made you pick those dates? What, what was your rationale? It was just a time analysis from one of the economists that I pay attention to. He likes to use Pi because he thinks like all events are cyclical. Well, so yeah, I mean, that's a good argument can be made for that. Yeah, yeah, so I just applied his views of Pi and just picked out some dates. Uh, and it'll be like a cyclical thing. Like, there's, there's cycles to it. There's business cycle. Uh, so, but that, that was, <laughs> that a, that, that's not something I normally do. That was the first and only time I've ever talked about time analysis. I don't do time. And time analysis is very difficult. Uh, traders, most traders, they don't touch time. Oh yeah. They don't, don't, you, everyone you, talks about price. You, no you one have talks to, about I mean, it's, time. It's two dimensions on the scale. Correct. I mean, but I think time is actually, you know, it's harder to, to predict that. It's a lot harder to predict. This yeah. is why ninety percent of all option traders lose money because they have to get the time right. And I am an options trader, so I pay close attention to time as well. So to me. Time analysis is interesting 
but uh, traders don't talk about time, and it's almost impossible to get the time and the price correct. Well, if you, at think, the of, same if you time. think about it, it I mean, uh, you know, that's that's basically the fundamentals of a market. Not, there are no Bitcoin options that I've seen, at least as far. Well, as, that's for different reasons. Yeah, that's for because options are very leveraged and very dangerous, and they can blow up an entire economy. And they have to like make <laughs> options. Are pretty, options are pretty thoroughly regulated. There is no regulations in the Bitcoin space. Right. Uh, and we talked before this why I don't think it would be responsible for the government to allow an ETF, and it would be more irresponsible for the government to allow options in the Bitcoin space. And if they are going to allow it, they need to set standards. Well, I mean, China's had leverage trading until very recently. It's not options. Well, it's not options, no, Hold but it's still leverage yes. trading. Do you think in uh, in March, when uh, March 11th, where you're predicting the, the SEC will say no to the Winklevoss's uh, ETF, do you think the price will, there will be a little bit of a panic sale because of that? No, not at all. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's now been going on long enough uh, that they haven't approved it yet. So if... If there are speculators that are loading up on Bitcoin in preparation for this approval, I don't think so. I think there's enough people that have criticized the CTF happening. I, and even if it gets approved, it doesn't mean all that much. Uh, there, I don't think most speculators are expecting the SEC's approval because uh, I think that hype cycle died a year ago. Really? See, I was always under the impression that if the, if the ETF gets approved, that would definitely make Bitcoin pump. Maybe not, I don't know if that would be positive for long-term growth or not, uh, but well, I agree. Well, what he's saying it is, is, is if, if it is declined, it, it won't hurt as badly right. as okay. the upside. Now, if it gets approved and, and I was wrong, then yeah, I can see immediate upside from Bitcoin speculators trying to get ahead of the you know non-Bitcoin traders now having an easy way to buy it through their brokers. Um, and I think if there is a Bitcoin ETF, I think it's dangerous. Uh, I think we should be avoiding large honeypots of Bitcoin uh, in a control of one entity. Uh, it's like no one learned anything from Mount Gox. And uh, creating this Bitcoin ETF, I think can cause more problems in the future than- well, We also don't know what happened with Mount Gox in all fairness. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a hack, <laughs> honestly. I, no, I, I think but it doesn't doesn't matter, matter, right? I mean, what we learned from what we know happened is when you have one exchange holding a, a huge amount of Bitcoin. But an ETF isn't an exchange. But it doesn't it's matter. A, but it, it, that ETF, like the current Barry Silbert ETF or the trust, mm -hmm. um, I haven't heard or seen anything yet, a mechanism by which the Bitcoin that Barry Silbert buys on behalf of his uh, credited investors uh, what, I haven't seen the mechanism that will put this Bitcoin back into the circulation of the Bitcoin economy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So <laughs> if there is a, um, a Winklevoss ETF, will there be a mechanism by which this Bitcoin will go back into circulation for the Bitcoin economy? And if the answer is no, you are slowly creating a larger and larger pool of Bitcoins with a larger and larger honeypot as an attack factor. Well, that's true, but... Um, Which do you think will eventually succumb to insider fraud? Insider fraud, SEC confiscation, government confiscation, so, so this uh, is jurisdictional confiscation, so this is, this uh, is accidental loss of a private key, hacking of a private key. There's like, I, I can, I, there's numerous attack vectors and they all grow exponentially as the number of Bitcoins in that vector go up.
It's just funny we're talking about centralization again because that's what I it all boils down to. But um, so so there's there's a difference between the way uh, that uh, like so the the ETF as far as I've read it and uh, is they uh, do pare down but only as people sell shares and funds of the ETF and they sell tranches of five thousand on the open market. Um, given at the whatever. No, but unless there is unless there is a way you can show up and say. Um, here are my shares. Uh, I want the Bitcoin. I want the underlying Bitcoin. No, no, but but when when they sell, when you sell your your shares of the Winklevoss ETF, if nobody else buys equivalent shares to offset, they actually offload tranches of the Bitcoin onto the markets. That's how it gets sold and paired down. It's always a parity of of dollars to the amount, or so of Bitcoin to the amount that they actually pay this. And and your point is very good. I, I don't see how that would be happening because you wouldn't be buying it from them. You'd be buying it through an accredited exchange. Like a legal no, exchange. no, no. You never buy it from them. Correct. It, the, the whole function of the ETF is you never own any Bitcoin, which is you know by design. They own and control and hold all the and Bitcoin. I don't think that's a good thing. You, well, I, I don't think – I think it is a good thing because it allows institutional investors who would otherwise never want to manage their own Bitcoin. Do you trust, would you trust uh, the Winklevoss with your Bitcoins? Yeah. Well, see, that's the very thing that I – Well, yeah. Given the scenario that they propose for long-term cold storage, definitely. Would you yeah. trust the Winklevoss ETS with your Bitcoin? I would never trust anyone with my Bitcoin, but that's well, different. No, 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 not my Bitcoin. My my retirement account savings of you know. Yeah. So you're saying that's you not were... my Bitcoin? Okay, okay. that's different. That's just, totally different. Wait, well, well how's to be? Different? Because because well, my day job, I'm I'm only allowed to invest my IRA funds in an accredited thing. If I wanted to invest my retirement funds in Bitcoin, I would have to set up a separate trusted entity, you know, have it issue and control the Bitcoin, in which case I could not legally control the keys. And it's just like <laughs> – Real quick. So the, the biggest burden is paying the 30 percent penalty fee and income tax when you when you take out your 401k from your work. And you, instead of doing that, you're saying well, yeah, you'd have just investing straight over. into the Bitcoin. And yeah, well, but I mean – but okay. it's not even for me. It's really – because that's the whole thing is it's not for me. It's for – Massive financial institutions because they're not gonna. So, so this this whole thing is built and, and everything that's been defined for this ETF is to be okay, as secure so as possible. Let's talk about the massive financial institutions. What if a massive financial institution decides to give their employees, like put some of their employees' retirement money because they believe in Bitcoin and they use the Winklevoss ETF, which eventually gets hacked? Well, I mean, that's true of anything. I mean, I mean is that responsible for it? Uh, yeah, they are insured, but as much as insurance means anything when you're talking about this, I mean... Okay. Ha- has there been a massive... And I really don't know. Has there been a massive hack of a honeypot, like what you're saying of Bitcoin, where they where an institution has been insured well, and they've, and they've got all their... So all their customers Bit, were protected. So, so insurance didn't pay. Then Yeah, but has there been an institution... No, has no, there no, been no. a case where they, insurance has paid? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. Oh, I know. I know. A case where it doesn't matter if it has paid. I think it matters where it has it not paid. So and you have an example. The, the reason why I'm asking is have, have they ever paid? Because if they haven't, then so let me just say this. No, no, so, no. You need no, 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 no. This is important, right? All right. I, I don't care about the one time the insurance paid. I care about the one time the insurance didn't pay because that's the worst case scenario. Well, I, I mean, that's what you're trying to avoid. Obviously, it, it, it's a percentage. <laughs> if it's a hundred percent times they haven't paid, has there even been one time where they well, haven't paid? One, is what I'm asking. There, there's one. Really famous one, and that's the BitPay case, and they did not pay. Okay. And you so know that's really, is that really what we're going off of as far well, as history? We have to. Okay. Very, no, no, I'm just saying. Well, no, 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 there's we, contingencies in, no, no, in every we, case. We, that we have to go off of that because mm-hmm. Bitcoin. If we don't, if we only have one precedent, we have to go off of it. Bitcoin is so young. So who insured them, real quick? 
It was a no, no. It wasn't the the fact that they didn't want to pay. They they said uh, they would have paid, but they saw it as negligence and bid pay's fault. Well, yeah, yeah, it was um, negligence. It wasn't really a hack. Well, it was a social engineering, which is well, still yeah, a hack. Yeah, okay. well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a technical hack. It was. I, I mean, I mean, that's easy to argue that they didn't. They weren't really hacked. It was social engineering. A lot. Well, I mean, I mean, to me, coming from a but security background, that's not background, just a problem with bit, bit, It's with different. Bitcoin. Maybe that could be a problem with any asset that gets stolen. The only difference is Bitcoin's a bearer instrument, and once it's gone, it's gone. That, right, so it's not like any other asset. Well, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's the same problem with any asset. It's just in Bitcoin, it's lawyers. irrecoverable. <laughs> no, I was so, saying lawyers. It's different for, like, it's very easy for, like, a lawyer dude, to, to, to say, like, it's very easy for, like, a lawyer to say, hey, uh, was this a hack or, you know, was this insured? You know, it, uh, saying that maybe, like, to an IT person or something that social engineering is a hack. You know, it's, it's very easy for me to think that well, it would be it, easy for them to well, say, like, in the contract, we never and, covered negligence. And, and this is why uh, bearer assets like Bitcoin are too new for the general public that doesn't understand well, see, what they're doing. That's exactly why they want to create an ETF, is they can have somebody who has a secure environment, who's done all the due diligence, and they have the most secure base possible to where it just creates a trusted third party where somebody can get into Bitcoin and have exposure and it's to it possible, without having to manage and, their own. And it's possible that the criteria you presented does not exist. It's possible, but it's also possible that real, it does. Real quick, let's say the ETF does get approved. Do you think that's good long-term for Bitcoin or bad long-term for Bitcoin? Well, it depends on if it gets hacked or not. <laughs> no, let's say... <laughs> well, I mean, that, that goes into your answer. So... So obviously, if you think it gets hacked, maybe that's bad for Bitcoin. Well, I mean, if it was hacked and all Bitcoin is lost, that would just be horrendous for the markets. I mean, just uh, in general, it would destroy everything. I, th I think that the possibility of it being catastrophically bad for Bitcoin yes. is not worth the short-term goodness that it might bring. I, I would disagree I, there. I, I think kinda, the upside's high. Okay, so I kind of agree with Tone. I think there is there's a lot of potential for for short-term uh, benefit to Bitcoin, but long-term is so gray and so... Because because all the... I don't know. Because here's my thing. All of the good thing that can happen from the CTF is gonna be very early on in the life cycle of the ETF. Yet the bad thing that the ETF can bring, that trend is gonna slowly go up and up and up with the life of the ETF. The systemic risk to the Bitcoin system would grow the longer the ETF is in existence, while the benefits of the ETF are gonna shoot up like all of these altcoins, and it's gonna slowly go down over time. Of course, all this has to do with fungibility too, because if Bitcoin remains as infungible as it is right now, then it's gonna be pretty easy to determine. Say there's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 let's say there's you no know, they they amass oh a million bitcoins right, and then it gets hacked and they lose a million bitcoins. Okay. So those Bitcoins, being such a large market share, it's going to be very, very impossible. You can't really wander those Bitcoins because people are going to see that source. The, the, the crypto locker companies have this problem now. Right. Um, because, you know, they're just sitting on the Bitcoin because right. everybody knows it's, it's they hard, have it. It's hard to wander $100 million. It's too much. It's too much money to sit there. Right. So, so, I mean, if that money it gets taken out of the Bitcoin circulation because effectively, unless it's fungible, yeah. if Bitcoin becomes fungible, that's yeah. not an issue. But being that it's not, it actually would drive the total aggregate demand for the rest of the Bitcoin. But you're, not, you're, not, you're, you're, you're not considering all the unseen that would happen with that. Now imagine a hundred thousand plus Americans 
screaming at the SEC and the government that they need to do something to solve this problem and all of the core developers doors are being broken down by the FBI to give them more control so this doesn't happen again. Well, I mean, it, that honestly, I don't, I don't see that happening. Do you, do you think it's too decentralized for that to, you know, oh yeah, the core developers go away. Guess what? They're replaced by people in Uganda. And I don't want to put this risk profile onto the Bitcoin blockchain. Well, okay. So, so, hey, I think we don't have a say. I mean, it doesn't really, you know what I mean? Well, we have a say. We have our opinion. Whether the SEC should or shouldn't approve the thing. I'm not going to sell my Bitcoin and put my money in the ETF. So, as far, because I I trust myself to hold whatever little keys that I have uh, better than I trust the Winklevoss twins. I do. I do. I would say that is not true. For most people, <laughs> and and especially but, when you're talking I, about large institutions. Fine, but I would also say that most people then shouldn't have a need to hold Bitcoin to begin with. Well, I mean, speculation, if nothing else, to expose yourself to a market for diversification. See, this is the point that I think that the ETF is a viable entity. It's because Bitcoin, Bitcoin has proven to be it's it's a countercorrelated asset class. I mean, it does not align. When the rest of the market takes a dumper, Bitcoin usually goes up, stays the same, does something different. It, everything else is all correlated. It's a non-correlated asset class. Everything else, like in 2008, when 2008 happened, everything went down. There was not a single sector. Bitcoin didn't was, go down, Mike. Yes, because it didn't exist. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> I proved you wrong. Okay. Yeah, gold started to go up fairly well, quickly. Well, yeah, but gold is another non-correlated asset class. But the problem, there's several problems with gold as far as being held. Here's the difference between Bitcoin and gold. Gold cannot be as easily verified as Bitcoin. And this is the one thing. I actually provided comment back to the SEC on their ETF. And my one comment was the one thing. And this is to your point, Tom. Uh, I said, hey, that's great. That's good and all. But I don't trust anybody to audit this. They should make all of their audits public and publish the proof that they still hold their Bitcoin. Because otherwise, I don't trust it. Because I'm, my worry is not that they get hacked. That's not my worry. My worry is that they get hacked and then are able to hide and conceal the fact they got hacked. And then they create this, oh, fake well, that, paper Bitcoin. Well, that's, that's the Mt. Gox situation as some of us believe. Exactly. Well, now I believe that what they have responded with actually allays my concerns. Well, I, here's another, I, I don't know, again, we're talking about topics that I didn't think we were going to talk about, but it's a good <laughs> that's, how, that's how we go. <laughs> okay. so, so forget opinions, right? No. Forget opinions on the ETF, because mm -hmm. obviously we're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the security, right? So to me, the only feasible way to do it, like I don't trust the Winklevoss with the, with the Bitcoin, right? So there has to be a multi-sig involved here. There is. Agree? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, what I thought was, okay, so who's going to be responsible for these keys? So let's assume the, the lowest uh, two of three multi-sig mm -hmm. for security purposes, right? So who can the three uh, holders of the private key be? Well, obviously the Winkle boss, mm -hmm. um, uh, they're the creators of the ETF and they're holding on to the Bitcoin. I um, guarantee you they don't personally hold any of them. No, but <laughs> they, they, they would outsource. Yeah. Like, but wait, wait, they're responsible for one of the keys. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, right? that organization right. definitely. The the regulated exchange, uh, we used to say Nasdaq, but now it's BATS, but it's mm -hmm. the same thing, right? Bats a regulated matter. exchange should have a skin in the game, and they should be responsible for one of the three keys. Mm -hmm. 
and the SEC or some regulator, right? Makes sense. Would need to be responsible for another key. Would would this all be using? So you're talking about multi-sig on like an HD cold storage, cold storage. Yeah. So 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 are you saying that this would always be publicly audible by bitcoiners? Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. that's that was my because, letter to the SEC. But, I but, said you have to be. Well, hold on, hold on. I, I thought the whole deal was they're only going to be audited every six months or so. No, so. that was their initial one. That's yeah. why I sent the letter because they said, oh, it'll be a private audit every six months, yeah. one time a year, and then a random but, time the rest of the year. Well, I said no, a fuck a private audit. But but that doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> six, six uh, but. Bitcoin Bitcoin technology allows you to do auditing every every ten minutes or every six months. Exactly. That, that's a that's not a technological issue. That's a regulatory issue, right? But um, but I mean, I, I right, would feel much fine. better as a but participant in the marketplace. But, if that, it but were again, that, that's a semantic. That's mm-hmm. contracts. That's, yeah. I'm not gonna debate which one is better. We all know which one is better, right? Obviously, every ten minutes by any any coder should be able to audit this thing, right? But my point is, you have a two of three multi-sig. And we, sh- we agree that it, those three parties should be involved. The SEC should have one, the exchange should have one, and uh, Winklevoss company yeah. should have one. So here's a scenario. What happens if one of those keys is compromised, right? Uh, nothing happens, right? If one no. of those keys is compromised, um, there's no problem. Bitcoin is not at risk. But if let's say the SEC's key is compromised, are they going to publicly come out and show their incompetence? If the, if the exchange's key is compromised, are they going to publicly come out and show their incompetence? Yeah, no, no one's going if to the, there. If yeah. the Winklevoss key gets compromised and they know privately it got compromised, are they going to come out publicly and show their incompetence to the world? But that's the whole that thing. That worries me. But, but, but... Well, that's the whole part of the three. They don't have to publicly do anything. They just have to go to the other two entities and say, hey, I believe it would be prudent at this juncture to send everything to new addresses. That's all they have to say is, hey, it, you know, time's up. We've had a little, uh, you know, I mean, so they don't have to do anything public. Anybody. That, I know. And then yeah. imagine if like, you know, loose lips, something. It, it, it's just, you can just I mean, that's why, that's, why, that's why I'm in favor of them doing on a regular schedule. You know, fairly regular schedule, moving everything to new addresses. Just a, it establishes they still control the keys because if they're, con- you know, if they move, because they do it in tranches of five thousand, it's very easy to do. Say five thousand bitcoins, bam, Agreed. new address, Agreed. right? Agreed. Um, so they could do that, uh, and and uh, and that would a demonstrate that they still control the coins, and b ensure if any any of the keys that were priorly compromised are no longer Agreed. necessary. I'm just saying that. Like I don't know who's working on these on, on this solution. So there are some elements like, of it that it, are proprietary, and I have right. mixed feelings about and that. I don't know who the. It shouldn't be proprietary for cold it storage. Should, yeah. I mean, best practices should look, be used, right? Best until practice. until I see, you know, them outsource some of this work to people that I learn to trust in this space, like a Peter Todd, like. Uh, a Gregory Maxwell, you know, like some of the core devs. You named you some know. of the two smartest people in Bitcoin, right. I think. <laughs> I mean, unless, unless they're willing to spend the money to get, you know, approval from these guys. Most of um, what I don't, know who, I don't know who's doing this. Most of what they're planning on doing was spelled out in the application. There was a little bit that remains proprietary, and I, I don't like no, that. What, what you are doing and the competence of the people doing it are two very different things. Would it, so would this be a chance for blockchain consulting to actually take off? 
for I believe storage uh, kind of activity. Well, that's what. Well, that's uh, Andreas and Antonopoulos' third key solutions. I mean, if they uh, engage, yeah, maybe. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more a fan of what uh, Michael is doing out in Canada. What's the Michael? Oh man. Um, By the way, for the audience, I'm Mike 21. No, this no, is Mike, Mike yeah. B. Casey. Uh, <laughs> we are not uh, Michael from Canada. Oh, God, there's so many Michaels in the space. Yeah. I, there's another yeah. Mike Casey He's in the space. He's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> anyway, they're, they're trying to come up with like uh, standards for like security. We got for cold storage? And that's their consulting right? business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. For, uh, for everything, for all the kinds of so, stuff. So, you know, you, make, you raise a very valid point because, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, trust, I trust actually them because they at least hire decent people who know what the fuck they're talking about. More than I trust the SEC to approve anything they've come up with because the SEC they, doesn't they, know they, how the shit works. Like, like, if, if, I, like, if I heard that you know architects from like Alphabet are coming in to consult on security, <laughs> Alphabet, I might yeah. be up for that, it. That is actually a good point. <laughs> those Alphabet uh, back-end engineers those, those are going to be kind of pretty, yeah. <laughs> Back-end engineers for Alphabet are probably going to be the most prized possession They're probably dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they were murdered. <laughs> They're going, You're have, done? Have, okay. have you ever seen uh, Mr. Robot? I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm midway through season two. It's hard for me to watch it. So, I'm so, so, so uh, in, I think it's season two. Uh, yeah, season two. The, the main character is like forced to do something against his will to do back end development. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. And I just think it's like that's going to be the alpha beta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's funny, it's going to be the SEC forcing them to do it. <laughs> right. Right. But then it's a problem, right? Like, when you get to do this, like, there's always a risk that your inside developer can put it in a back door. That's true. Like, like, well, I mean, that's, so, this is why open source code yeah. is, is so imperative in the space. I know. Yeah. Anyway, there's just these are very complicated issues. It's not a matter of economics, should we or shouldn't we? There's just so much technology involved. Well, here's, I, we, think we I think it yet. is a matter of economics because guess what? If they don't approve it, because it's it's a true ETF, unlike GTB, GBTC, right. it is a true. Uh, if, if the SEC in the U.S. doesn't approve it, somewhere else in the world will. Fine, but let them take on the regulatory risk. Uh, well, I mean, there goes New York as a financial hub. I mean, <laughs> well, that's a good point. Do you have something to say about that, Tom? Oh, it's going to move to China eventually, anyway, as a financial hub. Why, uh, real no, quick, no, why no, do you no, think no. that? That's actually really interesting. <laughs> why, why are you saying that? I mean, do you? I don't expect the U.S. dollar to be around forever. I mean, the lifespan of uh, the the life, yeah, the the, 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 the average life expectancy of a reserve currency is between a hundred, like a hundred and forty years on average. We're already pushing a hundred years. And the socialism and Europe and the U.S. Is a bit, and the bond bubble are eventually going to catch up to us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the hackathon that happened uh, just uh, yesterday, a couple days ago, whatever. I this was last... not at the hackathon, so this is so, all kind of news to me. So I actually, I actually won fourth place, which was awesome because Congrats. I was by myself. Thank you. And uh, worked my ass off for like twenty six hours and came up with some. Uh, Vaporware slash actual functioning working uh, prototype, which was pretty cool because I, I really was like, man, there's probably like five or six people that worked just straight 26 hours and didn't even get up. And um, I felt like I was one of them. Tone was actually giving, like, I would say golf commentary with uh, Krista Rose, which was awesome because we didn't actually hear them. They were very quiet and they're they live streaming the hackathon. Uh, Tone was able to give commentary with Chris Rose. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, that was a lot of fun. Uh, during the, the commentary or the hackathon itself? Uh, well, so, they're both. Yeah, talk, talk about... Um, the, with, all right, so first, talk about 
um, some of the projects that were interesting, some of the projects you didn't like, and the commentary so, uh, and how that I'm, 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 I'm going to hear this because this is new. Who took first place and for what? Oh, God. They didn't even, like, in my opinion, they, they should have not have been, been in the top six. Because the top six got money. <laughs> he'll, he'll, and, he'll, uh, over, he'll talk about ones right. that are interesting. So, so, so here's the thing about hackathons. There's criteria, right? You got to show up. You got to have an idea. And then you got to code that idea in, uh, have something that's working. And you need to do a presentation. So it used to be a decent presentation to show uh, specifically the judges. And each judge has their own things. So to me, I'm not, I understand code, I just don't develop. So to me, yes, coding something that works is, I guess, the main thing in a hackathon. But I wanted to see them code something innovative and something creative and something that could be turned into a business. Either you code a very short-term efficiency that will bring in some money before someone just takes it over, or you code or you put in the seeds to code something into the future that could turn into a business. Like the, I know there was a famous hackathon where uh, team won and then that project turned into Open Bazaar. Yeah. Right? So something like that. Like, and to me, just a little bit of coding would be enough. Just something, just to show your ability to code. Uh, and it has to be a project that needs code to work. So the team that, and we do, we're doing the play-by-play, uh, like uh, golf commentary. So a, a team would come on, they would present for about four to five minutes, and then they would come off the, they would get questions from the judges, and then they would leave the stage, and then a new team would come and set up their laptop. So during that time, me and Krista Rose were doing live commentary uh, for a live stream, and it was recorded, uh, and we will be putting that up on YouTube, either my channel or Krista Rose's channel, or potentially both. And uh, the team that won, they did some kind of a tag game, which I, which again, oh, um, I tag game. Yeah. So here's what they did. So like basically, they found like a quick way how you can get Bitcoin like into a pot, and then everyone has this app on the phone <coughs> that they built, and then you like run around like a city or an area trying to like laser tag with your phones other people uh, to ge take a geolocation Bitcoin. geolocation so right. it's not nothing with pointing i don't think interesting but to me mm -hmm. that was a way to make your bitcoin stealable right that, but, I, didn't, I didn't really see um now if you wanted to have a game that was using points or something i think and then maybe like whoever got the most points or something i don't right, know right so here's exactly. the thing so it, it's kind of like pokemon go or yeah. only you're looking for other people mm -hmm. and i guess if you're if you get but how do you know who came up on who right so so, oh, so the so, whole so deal like, is who pushes it first i think is right which whoever is silly right? because you know someone's <laughs> got an old gps located so but but to me i don't i don't see why this is like interesting or innovative here right you're just using bitcoin i know there's a very famous game in new york city and i have one of my friends she participated in it you have to like apply and go through an interview it's like uh it's like an assassination game using water guns so oh, that like, sounds like fun. so there, there's this game in new york <laughs> like they, they got like a like maybe like a lot of people like hundreds of people you do like an in-person interview and the way it works is um, you don't. You get like this envelope in the mail with a person's target, with a person's a, person, a person's picture, um, a person's work address, and a person's home address. Holy now, shit! Now you're dude, actually totally you and and your goal that. 
is to get them with a water gun. Like down some in water? Not that, no, no, even like a squirt. Like a squirt gun also, right? Like, the point like, is, like, 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 if you get them wet, they're dead. If you get them wet, <laughs> they're dead, right? So if, but you can't get them like during work. Like you can't come into their job and you can't go into their house, right? But you can stake them out. So you, you learn their patterns, right, you find the coffee shop they go to. Now, if they get wet, if they get what they lose. Yeah. Now, if, you, if they lose, they, they also have to carry the, the same information for the person that they're hunting. So if you get someone, they now have to hand that over that's to your you, next target. and that's your next target. So eventually you get to final two people hunting each other. So this okay. is this is cool. I could talk to this forever, but I feel we're getting off topic. We're getting off, but, <laughs> but I guess this is kind of the same idea to yeah. steal uh, their bitcoins, right? Um, <laughs> so, so to me, it was you would set up a group of people, like what you're saying, but it was all based on if you're in the same area as someone else, all you have to do is push a button, which was very, very fucking. I didn't understand it. Like I didn't understand the fact that whoever pushes the button first or whatever wins, and I felt like the demo was. They said it was a working demo, which I very I want to go to their right. GitHub code and, and actually see if it was working. Right. So versus because they could have literally scammed everybody by saying, "Oh, it worked," because they they correct. never really correct. showed anything. Right. Now now if they would have expressed it the way I just expressed it now, where you were, I can hunt you for your Bitcoin, but you can't hunt me. You gotta hunt someone else. Yeah. That, that's if that's they, cool. I if like they that. explained it that way, I would have given them more credit. But then they then like, you have a bounty on each head. Right. And the first person right. to get to. <laughs> So I guess that could be fine. I didn't think, I actually just thought of it. I just remembered that story that my friend was telling me. So that uh, would have been fine, but that's not, that wasn't their angle. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what their angle was. And they were first place, they didn't place. If I had talked about it this way on our podcast, we wouldn't have that much time in between. Yeah, yeah. I probably would have placed them. Now, the one that I personally liked was, and he didn't place in the top six, he came up with an idea. Okay, so again, it was a shooter. Uh, it was a game shooter where oh, you're like, like a, doing these days. I know, like a first player <laughs> shooter, but it looked like Counter Strike, old version right. of Counter Strike. Okay, but yeah. it was similar. Basically, they would charge you a micro payment in Bitcoin for every bullet that you shoot. Oh, I got you. That's and cool. then someone, and then as you make kills, you collect bounties. The more you shoot, the more you give up. So you're negatively penalized. Yeah, so to me, this is a I cool way really of creating out. efficiency. In playing video yeah, you would have a lot of less wasted it. shots. <laughs> right. So, so one thing I'd like to say. I like that. That, that guy was actually one of the ones that worked all night. Right. And, and, he, uh, and he was also solo like you. Yeah, he was solo like me. And I talked to him uh, uh, during one of my like five-minute breaks when I just needed to stretch my legs. It was funny because uh, I, uh, randomly he just said, damn. And I, and I look over and I'm like, dude, is everything all right? He's like... Uh, I got way too high. <laughs> no, no. So he took like a smoke break and uh, he was smoking <laughs> weed or something. And he, he got, he got, so he might have done better. It's Miami, man. <laughs> he might have done yeah, better if his, he did it. His problem was that he spent all that time uh, reinventing the wheel by programming and creating the game and not actually programming on implementing Bitcoin into it. So yeah. he, he was using, uh, just if anyone's interested, he was using the Unity engine uh, to, to make that game. Just tidbit. Um, right. what, what other projects um, did you like? Other projects, I mean, the, what, what Laz did, and this was kind of creative, it's a short-term thing. This is one of those that you can code quickly. They can probably 
next week they can probably get this business up and running and they might make some money on it over the next year or two before it goes away, but they really need SegWit and Lightning Network. So their idea was, well, we're buying uh, VPN services on a one-year contract basis from something like PIA or whatever, uh, but Bitcoin allows us to do micropayments. So what if we rent out passwords at like 20 to 30 minute increments mm -hmm. uh, and, so, yeah. and, and we, can, we can sell that for people that need short term It's, it's an efficiency optimization. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by but, the way, their, their idea I thought should have been first or second. I, I thought they were second. I put them second. I, I thought they should have been either first or second. I, I actually really like their But they idea. got what, fourth? They got third? fifth. They got fifth? Which, but there which, was also a reason for that, right? Because there was, a, first of all, their presentation was terrible. They had the oh, worst. Oh, they had the worst <laughs> presentation. I mean, so much. They, all right, so, 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 I, I would say, so, so, so real quick, real quick, I would say they were probably the smartest developers. Uh, that's just my opinion. I would there say there's a reason for that. There's a reason why the presentation was so bad. They're, they're, they were they were they were some of the smartest developers because I know they, they, they got done with their entire project about one o'clock two o'clock a.m. and they all left they went and got to sleep because they're yeah. done they they coded and yeah. made a really good website and everything they they actually didn't have one person on their team that could that was a people person yeah they, no they, communicator they, yeah they were no all and, and the thing yeah. is and, and the one guy that could have gave a really awesome presentation which is last. Uh, it would have been seen as like a ringer because he's, yeah, he was a big he, he's technically involved in putting the the conf, the, the yeah. hackathon together. So there was this, this so there was this like potential conflict of interest. So the one guy that could have presented yeah. it normally wasn't allowed to present. So yeah. you're talking about black hair last yeah, the, the bit stop guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 guy. Yeah. So, but they had a really good idea. They were able to program it. It's like it's like it, basically it's like oh wow, why didn't I think of this? This was uh, one of those moments. I think I've heard something like that in the yeah. past. Floated, never probably as flushed right. out. So, so that saw. was cool. Yeah. And. Uh, and another one that did finish in the money that I thought should finish in the money, even though this isn't new. I mean, I'm not a programmer and I've been talking about this in more specific terms. It's having bounties for GitHub commits. See, I really, really like this idea. I, I, so I would pay $50, $100. See, the, the weird part about this, the, the people that presented it, I think, did a really bad job as well. Because, because they were saying, yeah, I'll give $5, $10, but obviously I'm a developer, so I wouldn't. I think developers know and understand their time yeah. and understand if I don't have to do this for two hours, it's I would like easily pay $100. Well, okay, what if it's a module that you're not familiar with and I don't want to have to go learn I don't want to have to maintain your code yeah. base. Yeah. And if I can get you where I just have to bring in your dependency and, and you can, you know, code up your shit to make it work with my system, I'd rather pay you $150, $200 because now if that was my job for the, the next two weeks, let's say, my job and my stories for my company was to do this and I have to pay $200, I could take the rest of the week off. So Fuck. How do they you, solve you know what I'm the, saying? Uh, <laughs> like, how, do they solve, how do they solve the quality problem? No, like, no, no. How do they, they have a lot of flaws. So the yeah. biggest flaw in my opinion was... Uh, a developer that has one of these bounties merges in a uh, fix and then rolls back to a to a previous commit takes oh, the bitcoin and then and then they can well, actually how, use the case of a bubble they, 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 the they, they have an escrow and they okay. said they would be like the third party arbitrators for a while so they, they just, the distribution is centralized so what once once a developer gets their bitcoin and then bug is found in the new uh, the new merge code and they have to roll back to a previous uh, commit 
it's a lot of money that just got spent that can't be right. that, that people are going to feel like they got scammed. Yeah, and it, and it, I don't think it's going to take off. But also, I really love the idea. You can also distribute it over time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's a good true. Point. Yeah, they, they did say, not sell it well. Though. That's true. Though. You can say you can say like it, it'll be over the next five years as long right. as it's maintained in the code. So, for five so years. I would like to say that project was a first or second place finish in my opinion. That's a good so, idea. So, so in my opinion, number one and number two was the VPN service and the GitHub uh, bounty system. I really like those ideas, and to me, that was a first and second. I, again, like, I, I like those also. They were my, I think, second and third, because for some reason, I really liked that gaming aspect, mm -hmm. and that, well, let's put Bitcoin into games with micropayments, and have some of these, because I remember playing games as a kid, and I used to hate playing with people that weren't playing strategically. They were like playing. Totally. Like I can imagine that. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just, just I imagine you were really it. serious about my Tony, life. I can imagine. <laughs> like if, if you were, if, Tony, if you're my age, and I'm, I'm, I don't know how old you are, but if you're my age and you're playing Xbox Live when I was, I would imagine you'd be the kid that would be like the overlord of the Halo 2 clan that would take clan battle real seriously. I, w I did. <laughs> Halo 1 in my time, but yeah. uh, oh, so the original Halo. Okay. So I was already in college. You're in your 30s. Yeah. So you're in your 30s. Yeah, I'm in my 30s. Okay. I, I think we're I mean, the same I mean, age. You talk, so, so, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. Okay. Right. Um, so, like every other Bitcoiner. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> Everyone's in their mid-30s. So I have a theory about this. I said it last time. I, I, think, I think people our age adopted into Bitcoin because, largely in part, we saw what happened with the internet. And we saw how it works when something revolutionary like that comes along. I mean, at least that's that's what I think. When I see people, it it, it always goes back to uh, some kind of media content or some kind of right. fun content, right? Right, like whether it be video, music, right. whatever. So, are we gonna get into notary on the blockchain? All right. Uh, so, talk about the projects you didn't like, Tony. <laughs> oh no, there were there there were projects that we all thought were like silly. Like one guy just made a website of uh, of why you need OPSEC. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think he was competing. He wasn't. Yeah. It's just uh, so there it, were like there were projects that didn't even that, that wouldn't have even been like rated. But as far as that, I'm not a huge fan of Notary on the blockchain, <laughs> and that was your project. That, that, was, this place. that was my project. Um, there yeah. were you weren't the only one. There, there were other Notary on the blockchain projects, which unfortunately did not place. Which is which is what's weird. Because I did it right. I used I used I used a uh, aggregated service. Oh, they were they were doing actual notary one at a time. Yeah. Oh god, that's, that's very expensive. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I was so so just to give a background, I did a Tyrian project where I was doing clinical trials where the consent was pegged to the blockchain, and I made a a functional website that would uh, query uh, that would use the APIs of Tyrian and block trails to um, to use Tyrian to peg stuff. Uh, anchor stuff into the blockchain and then block trails to verify that Merkle root actually got written. Um, so you're so so I know Tone isn't necessarily and Junta. I know <laughs> aren't fans of that. Uh, Tone, would you please talk about that? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not a huge fan of Notary on the blockchain because to me, uh, you have like the big. Uh, we're we're assuming that you're notarizing on the Bitcoin blockchain because if you're notarizing on any other blockchain, this discussion ends. Yep. Agreed? Yeah, I, I no. think that Bitcoin's the most secure. It's by far the most right. secure. Yeah. So we're starting off on Notary on the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, to me, the Bitcoin blockchain is still fairly new. Uh, I would say I wouldn't even count the first three to four years. I mean, only in the last few years has confidence began to grow that it is something that 
may be immutable for a long time, may be secure for a long time, but that kind of confidence has only grown in the last few years. Do you guys agree with that? So one thing that Tone's bringing up, and I don't know if anyone else has seen this, the market cap versus hash rate looks really good now compared to 2013. So, yeah. so the hash rate compared to market cap is what I look at, and that looks... That it's it's like the most secure it's ever been. In but I mean, opinion. you know, 2013 was just the beginning of, of the whole ASIC. But, but, yeah. but, but again, I, I'm coming from a trader's mentality, <clears throat> and it's not necessarily how good is your security, it's how good the perception of your security it's true. as well. That's that true. matters, right? If no one believes your thing is secure, you're not going to convince anyone that it's secure. Uh, and, and, I agree. And it can happen the other way around too, which is unfortunate. So I believe Bitcoin is secure and I don't expect it to fork even though we're going through contention now. Um, I think Bitcoin will pull out and I think Bitcoin has a very bright future in being this um, secure, immutable protocol. That is I just think that it's a little too early to assume that as fact. That, well, that is an important point though because even if Bitcoin forks or something's in the blockchain before, it still remains in both forked versions of the it's, it's only at that point where there's a fork where if you're using like a kind of like a notary anchored system or whatever, then you have to choose, okay, which fork am I going to write which on? Fork, yeah. And then you have to then say, okay, am I going to write on both forks temporarily or if I'm going to just pick one? Because well, of ideology. And as, long, right. as long as you can back up and retain the stuff that's been done before, you can always re implement it. Well, the, the, but then that the loses the whole point of notarization. Well, no, I mean, I mean, the old it, stuff it, is it, always secure. The old stuff's always secure. So you're just backporting everything you've done prior to a new blockchain, hashing it in that, right. and so, then moving forward. That, that's true. That's interesting. So yeah. if you do pick the wrong branch of that fork, then you say, as okay, long, I'm as making long a one time. Fork goes away. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ta I'm taking all these, and then I'm saying, okay, at this point in time, I'm going to redo. No, you, you, you wouldn't be able no because if it left then that means nothing you right. have to re you would have to you have uh, to implement it before it goes away yeah no, well even if it doesn't go away if you have your own local copy no it doesn't matter no I'm not talking about a local copy if you take the hash version of when it's still good here and you don't have anything after that you take that and you're going to migrate blockchains then you hash that whole thing, throw it on a new okay, blockchain, okay. and you continue the chain of your... Okay, let me tell you why that's not necessarily true, in my mm -hmm. opinion. It's because then you have to keep track of that old branch that, that, that no one else is using yeah. to prove that those hashes have any relevance at all. Well, no, I'm, okay, so as long as provided... You might as well just, you might as well just look the, at the data provided again. Provided the cast immutability yeah. of it is still secure, because even if it dies in the future... You're talking about a root branch before the fork. Right. I'm talking about if you pick no, the wrong branch. No, no, I'm not even branch. Say say Bitcoin yes. dies down the road, right? So say, say you throw out Bitcoin dies down the road, you see Bitcoin's going to die. Right? It's no longer immutable if it dies. Yeah, but it's no longer immutable in the future. But what you can do is, while it still is, you hash it, timestamp it on the new one while it's still immutable. No, that's not true because then you have no data reference of the old dead. Uh, you have to keep you have to keep that on your own server, and then people have to trust that that you're holding that, and they have to. It, it's, no, 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 no. It's only going to work on live working. It's the same thing. It's a Merkle tree. You just take the Merkle root of it and throw it in the new no, chain. No, because in the future, you can rewrite history probably easy with more sophisticated well, computers. That's it, not it, true. It, well, okay. If, if, if it's broken, thoroughly broken to where the past is no longer mutable and subject on the chain, okay, both chains have to be broken. Okay, that, that, we should move I, on. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, we, we disagree I, about that. I think I, think I just won this argument because you guys have been around Bitcoin and blockchain space for a while are having this furious debate what happens to people that don't even know blockchain? 
So, so you're talking about so tone problems of entry. So, so, so hold on, tone. You're talking about pretty much the perception of security is going to be the biggest problem. The not just security. You need like the government to sign off on this that this is a valid way to prove your history. And you think that will never happen? It might happen. It's not happening anytime yeah. soon. But but you if, said it before. It's a chicken egg problem. Right. right. Well, hold yeah. on. Hold on. But if but why? So so you're saying. If it if it does happen in the future, doesn't right. that validate my hackathon project? Yeah, in the future. Okay, but then. But right now it's useless. But then wouldn't it, wouldn't it be innovative then? Because it, it's not it's not uh, it's not easy to say that this is going to be something to to say that it's definitely. Well, the work. counter argument there is well, if we had flying cars, well, we could do so much. I was just about to go there. Yeah. Hold on. Say again. I said, well, the counter argument there is you could say, well, if we had flying cars, right. if you had zero right. point energy, right. then we could do right. Like, like, yeah. great, if you had, if you, if your hackathon needed like the flying car to exit yeah. to, for it to be useful, can you win the hackathon that way? Yeah, I mean, it's so so my so the project can be used right now though. It could be, but not for anything meaningful. It, it could be used, but it could be used. He's right saying now. it could be used, but he's saying it wouldn't be approved by any sort of authority Correct. that you would need to have approve it Correct. for but, it to but, be useful. But that's the so I kind of disagree because that's the part of the hackathon where this isn't in industry yet. I'm not saying I agree. We're, with we're, I'm just we're saying we're bringing this to industry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that, but that was but but, but the but the actual functionality. So the flying car example is functional base where if, if only we had flying cars this actually works right now well i mean it depends on it's how just, you it just needs function. adoption because like approval is is his function is approved by a body that signs off yeah on but shit. but the technical functionality is is there yeah. right now. that's well, what his so argument is different. not a technical argument it's not a technical argument yeah. okay. and my technical argument is i, I thought mean, this, I, so at some point i thought this was kind of like you technically kind of philosophy disagreed with notarization on the blockchain is it only philosophy or is it technical at all it's it's not no it's mostly philosophical okay. and regulatory okay it's not because the technicals are easy i think it's clear the technicals are easy Okay, so I actually didn't realize that that was your, right. that was your I mean, point. I, I mean, we've heard about notarization on the blockchain for years now. Yeah. I don't think there's any like technical difficulty to get it done. The difficulty is getting it accepted by society. Now, if your project found a way to like, uh, but I, I don't know if that's a hackathon project. That's a different kind of project. Mm -hmm. But if you can solve the problem of how do you convince the world that this should be accepted, that would score high for right. me. That's well, the challenge. That's so, the difficult so I view it like, like HDTVs. They have the same chicken and egg problem. So HDTVs. But eventually, you have to make the HDTVs and you market them even though nobody's buying. That's what he's doing now. Right. And then uh, over a long enough period of time of doing that, people start to say, well, it's been around a while and it's been working a while. Maybe we should look at it, you know? No, that's true. But... Um now that's actually a good example. Let me just think about that for a second. You're right. So people have started building HDTVs, but technology... There's no content. Right. That was the problem. The, oh, I buy an HDTV. You have right. nothing to play on. Right. There's no content. Yeah. Right. So it's... Uh, you, you're right. So there's some innovation there, right? But you're just... Uh, but everyone knows that the Bitcoin blockchain can be used for notary. Now, whether that's useful or not. So, so that's my other issue with it, right? To me, notary on the blockchain is only useful when you're dealing with censored material. And by censored material, I mean government censored material. So, so one point you brought up uh, earlier before this, would, um, would there be a way to equivalently... So we're talking about mutability. You want to talk about that real quick? Sure. Uh, 
would you would you disagree that this is the best way to make a proof immutable? But okay, so immutability comes at a very high cost. Yeah, agreed. and everyone wants to make things like fish moving through the supply chain immutable. <laughs> but the question is, does it need to be? Like, at what point do you draw the line? What data do we no, need immu- to be immutable? Immutability for data. So this is a big distinguish because he's using like a Tyrion thing, which uses a Merkle to remove a root. So so you can make it. Immutability for one thing is very costly, but with this this apparatus, you get economies of scale because you can. It's logarithmic. It's logarithmic. It's very efficient. And and so, so what happens is, yes, immutability is extremely expensive for one thing if that's what you're doing. But if you use methods like this, it becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper the more things you are making immutable. And and as far as the blockchain costs, it's very single entry, and the data cost is actually logarithmic. And and and, and this is a very important note to anybody listening: is you know it's. When we talk about these things, we're not talking about storing data on the blockchain. Just That's proof like, that data it's, existed it's and people signed a, off on it. Yeah, a proof, a like time. a timestamp that the data was done at this. It's just a hash of the data. So we're not talking about, oh, I'm going to put, you know, put this. And I even saw a TED Talk. There was a chick on a TED Talk yeah, who said, bad. I'm going to put all of my photos on the blockchain. Yeah, it's it's like, That's the dumbest thing yeah, I've ever bad. heard. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so, so just for anybody listening, we're talking about proof of existence. Chainpoint using chainpoint chain through point. a through a through a service that you that you have to trust until they write to the blockchain. So just just FYI, and, and, I, and I just think that look, I understand that in so many fields, medicine, uh, what you did with uh, medical trials, banking, um, especially in like digital music. I spoke at like a digital rights uh, event where. They're all complaining, you know, we, you know, this song gets put together and there's like 50, 100 people involved, the music studio, the artist, the promoter, the, the sound guy, you know, even the janitor that day, like they, they all get some kind of a minor cut, right? And like, how the hell do they keep this um, in check? And they just need to get together and build a database yep. that they outsource. I completely, the I completely agree. They do not yeah. need blockchain for that. Well, so, right. yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's so, so the biggest thing that's going to be really depressing if they do, let's say, blockchain the music space, they're just going to get depressed that they're already that they're that they're provably getting paid shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that's what's going right? to happen. And that's the thing. Uh, uh, they don't need it. Sometimes you just need a better database service, and not all. And uh, not all middleman companies are evil. It's their job and reputation to keep your data the way it is and make sure there's timestamps. And I come from the finance world, worked under a CTO, and the CTO's specialty was databases. And you would get fired if you change something in that database without a stored procedure well, and your LUD, boss, LUD field. Well, hold on. That's not, the, that's not the argument. The argument is what if your boss tells you to change yeah. it? But that's a problem. Well, that, that's the problem. But that, that, that's, that's, the problem that's, that's what we're talking about. Services. Well, no, no, no. But that's the thing. The boss can also be prevented from doing this because then the bo- the CTO doesn't necessarily have to be the the SQL admin. No, that's but he doesn't. That's not. He the might point. write the store procedure. No, 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 but he doesn't that, need the rights to to be the admin. Well, yeah, but then hold okay. on, hold on. Let's talk about a, a industry case where. You have multiple people involved, multiple CTOs, and they all agree that something should be changed. Something will get changed. Agreed. The point is, well, is, is with Bitcoin, wait, hold on, the Bitcoin, the, 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 
What I'm trying to say with Bitcoin, you can't do that. That's all I'm trying to yeah. say. So, that's so why. That's why. That's why. He, that's why anchoring the something Bitcoin of it is makes, important. It, it makes apparent because uh, so so. First off, I would say I totally agree to you. Agree with you. There's there's no reason to use most of these things people want to do. Uh, on the blockchain because they can be accomplished. It's, it's almost much, overkill. More it's, efficiently with centralized service. It's but, overkill in a lot of cases, oh, in yeah. my opinion. But especially some of these anchoring, uh, you know, we're going to anchor stuff to the Bitcoin blockchain. Why does it need to be so damn immutable? Why are you Why are you having to get that extra cost? Why don't you just use a central service? Right. Yeah. But but if people are willing to pay for it and they want that immutability and they those lawyers think, hey, if we have this second service as a backup to, to prove our systems are secure, I think that's actually kind of cool. And that's the key with these systems is if you do have an immutable transaction system, then you can never change the past. You can correct it with an an offsetting transaction in the future, but the history still remains. Um, Real quick, because we're we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. Yep. Tony needs to get a tan in the sun. Yeah, we are in Miami. I haven't seen the sun yet. Uh, um, It's cloudy. Tony, real quick. Can you talk about some of the other projects that you did like that that also made the top six and some of the ones that you did like that didn't real quick just to wrap it up. I think we covered most of them already. Who did I miss? We already covered five out of the six. Did everyone in the top six that you picked besides me make the top six? Or besides the gun one? Like who who else made the top six that you didn't uh, oh, have? Oh, four. I, I only two made it that I have. Or the other four talk about real quick. Um, so the gun one. Trying to think. So I, I had the gun guy at number one with the video games. I'm not even sure why. I just liked it. Um, <laughs> you had him at number one. That's pretty impressive. I had him at number one because, <laughs> because he looked for an inefficiency and he tried to solve it with Bitcoin. All right. Keep going. Right. So it was a Bitcoin hackathon. It wasn't like anything else. It was specifically about Bitcoin. Which I liked. Um, he was my number one. The VPN guys were number two for me. I think I put uh, – I, I didn't have it written down. Uh, the, I think I put the uh, GitHub guys as like number three, and um, oh man, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, you know what? I actually I did place the 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 guys that did your estimation of wealth in Bitcoin. Oh, that's so funny! They made T-shirts, right? About that okay, one. they made T-shirts, yeah. right? They, they spent half their time making T-shirts yeah, specific it, for the hackers. You gotta hear you gotta hear the commentary. You gotta hear the commentary. Okay, so, we'll, we'll so make sure to listen guys, to it. So what they did was, so all they did, they put a little economic formula together and they said, okay, so the the world, uh, the world bank, <laughs> the world bank estimates the global net worth of people as this uh, amount. Uh, and then you have each person in that pie, like the average American has a, uh, has a net worth of like, say, I think it was like 30, like 40,000, $20,000, something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then like Bill Gates is worth like 81 billion, Zuckerberg is worth like 14 16, billion. No. I don't know. I'm guessing yeah, numbers. Yeah, sure, I'm, not, sure. I'm just throwing numbers out, right? So what they did was <clears throat> they took those numbers and they just averaged it through the formula. Okay, so if your net worth is, uh, if you're an average American and the average American has a net worth of $30,000, this is how much of the 21 million Bitcoin you should have in order to have a proportional pie of Bitcoin to the current global wealth, right? So they built a web page for this. They showed like all of these prominent people. I did that myself Um, like four years ago. (laughs) Listen, 
Listen, listen, listen. I know, I know, but they program this web page in, right? They put the formula in, you type in your personal financial, you know, financials into this web page. Oh, I totally and it, trust that. And it, and it outputs, no, 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 I mean, you don't have to tell them the truth, but you, they don't have to know who you are, right? Yeah. You're not putting your name in, it's not KYC, okay, right? Yeah. So you're just putting in your financial. That's IP address, that's all I need. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the VPN placed above them, right? Yeah. <laughs> The VPN finished above them in this contest, right? Now the VPN has your info. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and they spit out a number, so like the average American only needs like 0 0.003 bitcoins out of the pie, right? Yeah. Well, like Mark Zuckerberg needs like 8.6 bitcoins. And then you're looking at it, haha, I have more bitcoins than uh, Mark Zuckerberg does relative to the whole world, you know, that one. Okay, so here's what gave them points. That alone would not have given them enough points to place in the top six. But here's what put them over the top point. They made these freaking t-shirts where they spray painted their website. First of all, they actually build a website and people can go to the website right oh, there. It's it's, it's a, it, it was live. Wait, wait, can I say something? Know this was probably, out of all the hackathon entries, this was probably the only one that could actually be a working website right now, like right. No, no, nothing uh, added. Right, that it's live. Right, it was, yeah, it's live. It's, it's like the, the website. Yeah. The website was live. They spray painted the website on their T-shirts. But here's what drove them over the top to place them. They walked around Waynewood and were spray painting their website all over town with potential of getting arrested. Nice. Which, 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 <laughs> which would have been like the perfect Bitcoin <laughs> hackathon. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 we only, well, we only had two members that could show up today yeah. <laughs> to present this. Right. Wow. So, so yeah. that gave him enough points wow, for me to totally place. <laughs> so, so real quick, my favorite hackathon project was Arts. The guy at the very, very end. He, he uh, Art came, came to this hackathon to program. To learn how to program. Oh, so when wow. he showed up, like he, uh, he cheated. He started programming three days before. We gave him a hard time for that. <laughs> yeah. So he started learning Python like three days before yeah. the hackathon. He was supposed to show up and start learning. So so he was putting up like hello world and this is my Bitcoin address. So so he did this whole presentation of, of, of what he learned in programming uh, during that 24 hours. He was the close, he was the main event, he went last. Actually, were, let me let me let me correct what I said. His project could go into production right now with no security yes. risk. <laughs> so so the play the, 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 he had a few more lines of code. Uh, he actually he learned how to do if loops and everything. Oh cool. Uh, for, I asked him about for loops and he So he so real it. so real quick, anyone who's a, a, a HTML developer he so what he did it was hilarious he he brought up a notepad on his windows computer showed his html script with, which was probably about 50 lines of code and if you he brought up a website if you click the button which was just the button in the top left corner then it would a pop-up message would come up saying hello bitcoin wow i laughed so hard i was crying <laughs> But there was a couple of other things. So it was hilarious. If you would have heard our commentary, you would have been. I loved his commentary. The what the, the things that he said during he's like, and there you go. This is why this is good for Bitcoin. This is going to create a dot. Like he was saying all this funny there was, shit. There was a few things there. First of all, like we had to like because he was he put his computer on the same desk as us. He was like the seventeenth person to go. Yeah, he was the very and, last person. And his Windows laptop did not have an HDMI <laughs> input and not. 
not because, it was and not because it was the latest Windows computer. It's because it was pre-HDMI. Yeah. <laughs> it was so old. I was, you know, I gave him hell for his 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 bulky computer. I was like, when are you going to upgrade, man? He's like, no, man, this is perfect. Okay, so let me just say, we encourage people to learn. So here's what I loved about it, and you will hear this in the commentary. So right. I even did it twice because the first time I did it, I had art one-on-one when Chris walked away, and then I repeated it for Chris. So this part is repeated. It's about to repeat it for the third time. My favorite part about art's presentation is that everyone like went to the front of the room and they stood by the by the screen, you know, talking to the audience like in front of them <laughs> and to the right. So I did that for about the first minute of his presentation, and then for the last three minutes of his presentation, he went towards the back of the area where the projector is sat down in this leather chair. He was like the king boss. He's like, this is what I did. This is what happens when you hit this button. And I'm like, yo, Art, you were the man. You made all of these judges literally turn in their seats, jump up and his fat ass had to turn all the way around and like, look at you sitting in a leather chair going like this. All right, so when I hit this button, now you can see like, you turn again. You're gonna look at me when I press this button. Then you're gonna turn your asses around as judges, you're going to look over there at what happened. Then you're going to turn back around, you're going to look back at me sitting in this leather chair. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I cried. I put that on the coin dojo that I was actually crying. I laughed so hard. He, because he's got and it, it, it just fits so perfectly in. I have no, nothing against him at all. I love this guy. It was just so funny the way he, like he knew he was funny. That was the best yeah, part. Yeah. He knew he was doing awesome. <laughs> Which means I probably would have given him six points if I was a judge. No, you know what? If uh, we, we, if this was like some kind of prizes and not actual Bitcoin, I'm sure he would have placed like six. If, if the sixth place would have been you know, <coughs> some kind of trinket, uh, nobody would have been upset. Like the sixth place was like half a Bitcoin, yeah, uh, which yeah. would like pay for your trip to Miami. Yeah. So we really, so I, it wouldn't have been right to for Art to get sixth place. Now, if it was some kind of a, you know, hundred dollar, uh, object, yeah, yeah. Uh, or like a gift, or or if they had a, or if they had like a separate section, like most innovate or yeah, most like yeah, funny, yeah, yeah, or yeah. you know, like, whatever, or just trophy. So, so, so <laughs> yeah, there was a kind of yeah. trophy that would have won. So, so one thing I would like to note: the guy who wanted to make Postmates and and make the only payment option Bitcoin. The black guy uh, that was near the beginning. Oh, the who food was like thing, the food, food thing? Yeah, food for coins, and it was. No games, no gimmicks, 10%. That's how I'm going to make money. Uh, And and, and then he says, I'm charging 10% for monetary reasons. I laughed so hard (laughs) when he said that shit, dude. I I love this guy. I love this guy. This guy was awesome. That wasn't bad, actually. No, I would have gave him six. So my top six was much different than yours. I would have given a lot of people six. No, no, no. I had a space. No, no, no. no, no. I would have given Art six. I was just kidding. But but this guy was definitely six. Um, I was actually, I graded myself in the top six. Um, and I was really close to guessing fourth. I guess I put myself at third. So I actually thought I was going to get third. I got fourth and I was really happy because I was close. Um, I actually thought the, the VPN guy should have got first, who got fifth. The GitHub person, because of their idea, even though it wasn't... They it wasn't would have an to, original they, idea. They, they, they would have to figure out a lot of shit, crap, yeah. but I really liked their idea. I would have gave them second. I would have given me third. And then sixth place would have been the coin for food. The, the the workout guys because I think oh work I had them placed the, the, I had them placed I had them I placed about fifth them. 
because I, I thought that they worked on their project before the hackathon. That's true. I had them. I had them place higher, but I did say that. But I don't. The, the animation. The, the okay. animation. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, you didn't go over this one real quick. We didn't go over it. I actually really liked this one. There was a lot of questions of how much did they cheat on oh, the programming cheat. angle, and the consensus is that they cheated on the programming angle. But to me, as a non-programmer, well, you gotta have audits. You know, you gotta have. Uh, you, if you're gonna have this much money for prize money, maybe the prize money should be smaller, <coughs> and there should be more checks and balances, yeah. right, on the rules, right? So to me, the rule—if they cheated, that's black and white; they're disqualified. If they didn't cheat, I believe I placed them second or if third. They, if they didn't cheat, I placed them at third and me at fourth. Right. But if they did cheat, okay. I placed them at fifth, so, so even though because hey, you know I really like it. What we should do is we should take their code at regular intervals, right. hash it, and throw it in the fucking block. No, 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 no. So, GitHub, <laughs> get, hey, actually, GitHub okay. does that for you. Here's what I was looking they for. They have the GitHub blockchain. I, I understand it's a hackathon and there is this you know, programming component, but what I was looking for, I wanted to set someone stand in front of the room and show me something creative and innovative that I didn't think of, right? So. Anything with notary on the blockchain wasn't innovative and creative. To yeah, me, right. With the, which I I can agree with well, that that I feel like. So one thing I feel like the idea of notarization for hackathons. This is my opinion is a little bit overused as far as being original. It's, yeah, it's something that's been around right. as a concept for to, a while. To, to yeah. me, so I, I, I was giving most credit for originality and less credit for implementation because you can fix implementation, you can't fix originality. Well, it's like, it's like Open Bazaar. Open Bazaar went from the hackathon to like a full year and a half later before they right. even had a beta. So, uh, right. so real quick, do you think payments are, are, or do you think payments is kind of an overused uh, idea? Because of payments course. is the of main course. idea. No, no, there was presenters there literally, they, they redid remittance. And I'm like, that's not innovative. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. Oh, 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 I know the problem. You're, you're talking about the people who wanted to be the middlemen for, for exchange, uh, for, for transfer. Literally yeah. remittance. Literally remittance. And right. they're explaining remittance to the judges. Like, they're do you know? Right. No, but they're new to Bitcoin. They don't know that you can argue about remittance like, for What's years. that? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, these guys were new to Bitcoin. They came in and they said, we will do remittance for Bitcoin. It's like, they don't realize like a hundred people have already tried and failed. Yeah. Right? Uh, but anyway, so uh, with the only reason, like, even though the VPN thing, right, that's not creative, but it was like, holy shit, anybody could have done this, but they did. So it wasn't like creative, but it's instantly monetizable. So that's mm -hmm. why they got yeah. points. The video game guy, I saw it as efficiency in gaming. That was creative to me. Yeah. The workout guys were, was this. So what they did is, uh, and again, it's a this is. A little, it's actually creative. A little hokey, in well, my opinion. But I took, it to the next, I took it to the next level. What they did was, they're like, well, people always try to work out and they don't always meet their goals. So now they're going to be beholden to those goals because if they, they're actually not, they're either going to compete like against the machine, like that keeps track of their exercise, like a Fitbit, mm -hmm. you know, like some kind of metrics, like of your, there, there's a lot of holes here that need to be filled, right? But they were building an application where you're competing uh, against the house and potentially against other people of physical shape. And you guys exercising, let's say, another side of the world, but there's big Bitcoin and micropayments on the line based on whether so you're an actually... It's an incentive <coughs> system in Bitcoin to exercise. Can, can I say one thing? The first thing someone's going to do is strap one of those devices to the wrist and make a lot of money. That's uh, okay. So uh, there are obviously gains like that, but this is why you don't start betting at someone you don't know, right? You can start doing it within your family. Let's say put your kids in competition, put your cousin in competition, and then like, like it's allowance money, right? 
So do you could do it. You you start. Hold on, hold on. You start. I, I know you're taking it to the degree everyone's gonna game it. Well, why are you an idiot trying to do this to get someone you don't know, right? Let me ask a question. Yeah. Was their idea? So this was not their idea, actually. Uh, the way I the way I interpreted it and the way they described it in my opinion was they would be hedging against the bets, not a group of people. So the idea is they would they would be taking a percent cut and, and hoping that some people would actually not be working out. That was their idea. Right, not that right. not that people would right. get together and, I know, and pool money. I, I know, but you can easily take it in that direction, right? No, you can't because their their whole their whole business proposition was at certain points people aren't going to work out and we're going to get that money right. back that, almost like almost like right. like gambling so where we take fifty one percent. Right, but that's my house part. That, that's yeah. that, that's people going against the house, right? So basically, they're penalizing people when they don't meet their goals for exercising, and they're rewarding people when they meet their goals. But for it's exercising. your own money going in. Well, whose money? <laughs> Yours. No, no. I mean, like you're you're people. gambling. You're, you're gambling. essentially gambling, but but. So you, you put money down on the line but you, and you may or may not get it back. So you're, so you're gambling and you have to make sure that well, okay, or else you're not going to make money because if you're okay, legitimately yeah. working out, you're probably <laughs> going to lose money doing this. Yeah. Not necessarily, again, right? It depends how you do it's it. A, it's it depends, an interesting... It depends how open source it is. It depends on what um, standards you set. Now, the question is who would want to put up their own money? So th there were some questions on that. They were going to put up some of their own money, but then with an exception that they will be getting it back. But but that's um, but again, like I like the creativity. Yeah. I like so I like to see Bitcoin solve things and create efficiencies in something. And I took it as well. Yeah, people can go against the house like in blackjack, but people might also want to play poker where they play against each other, and the house just takes a little bit of a cut. So I see a very simple transition for letting people to compete with each other and you stick to a certain tier of your physical shape. So as you build, as you're able to exercise more, you exit that pool of people you can compete, compete with and move on. Also, and I was explaining this to Crystal Rose on live commentary. And I'm like, oh, you're just gonna put your Fitbit on like your dog or something, or you're gonna put your, <laughs> or you're gonna put your Fitbit on someone else. And I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe this is an efficiency for Fitbit to revitalize their company because their stock's been plummeting since the IPO. Yeah. And perhaps <laughs> Fitbit should have some kind of a, I don't wanna say, they already has a tracker in there, but perhaps Fitbit needs to innovate and come up with like a biometric identifier to make sure you are using that Fitbit. That would be interesting because you could just put it on like a machine, right. like, a, like a fan or a ceiling fan. Uh, or something, you know, right. like basically you can easily uh, have a heart, heart, like rate. heart rate, right? Like, yeah. like your Fitbit can't have your, your sleep, which is apparently is phone. unique and you, it is right. unique and, you, here's yeah. the problem. and you're forced it not to take it out. What? It can be recorded and played back. But yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is true. But again, how far are you going to go? Also, are you really going to go through all this? Depends on how much money is on the line. Well, that's fine. Well, <laughs> if I it's know. profitable. Yeah. If, it, if, again, if there's money to again, be made. The, the more money on the line, I mean, maybe you'll have to wear a GoPro, right? Like, again, there are ways. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the higher level of competition, the more stringent the, <clears throat> I, the ID checks are. But I can definitely see this happening of people wanting to compete. Um, in order to get in shape and they can be rewarded or they can be penalized. I saw a great efficiency there that Bitcoin can solve with micropayments and I gave them credit for that. Now, whether they cheated and did 
some of it ahead of time in their presentation, um, that's a that, that's a black and, and white question. I think uh, the idea was innovative, but, but, but I really like their the presentation. Idea. I think was good. Seemed like it, it would have took a week to make. Like it was it was animated right. completely. The, 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 looked like it was right. professional. Oh man, right. that it, was it, a it did it did but look like I, it was a pre thought like idea. I like the idea, and um, if I was given that presentation, I would have taken it. Not only are you, can you play against the house, you can go peer to peer. What one more thing. Their presentation was so animated and so high quality. They're like, uh, the Drew was like, all right, that's time. And they're like, oh, we don't have enough time. Do we have time for a presentation? They're like, no. They're like, oh, okay. And then they, and then one of the judges said, oh, you have a functioning thing? And they're like, yeah. There was no demo of their freaking project, really. They just showed some graphs so, that also looked like they were pre-made. Right. It looked like they literally just plugged in Bitcoin instead of the point system, and then and then gave and then did the hackathon. It was a really it was a cool idea if it was if it was true. I'm skeptical. Right. So again, this is the, and this is up to the judges, right? Are the judges giving more? <clears throat> do the judges look for the rules of the hackathon and what was coded? Or the judges looking for innovative ideas. To me, as a non-developer, I gave points for innovative ideas, but I want someone to just disqualify them. No, but they're not in competition because they. Cheated. Yeah, that's true. What? Do, um, what was I going to ask? Uh, who? Where did they place? Um, did they place? I don't think they placed. Okay, they, I think the judges called BS. The judges that. called BS, so I they think didn't the place. But um, I would have given them credit for the idea, and if, if the other judges were like, no, but they don't even qualify, I'm like, that's fine. I'm not going to argue that they yeah. should qualify. Yeah. I'm just, I th- yeah. uh, that's not for me. You know, that's mm-hmm. why you have another set of judges making sure that you know everything is by the book. Like I'm, I'm like imagining their GitHub project is forked from <laughs> the Risco project. So, so like I said, so my I looked at it was the, the, these are the creative ideas that have efficiency that are monetizable and they can be done. And uh, something that I've heard about for the last three years is just like the guy. Oh, there was a guy that was building a decentralized exchange. Right? No, he had an idea. He had an idea and, for and a better decentralized. And, and I, I want to say something. This guy was really smart, but I had him. I I, I had him because his idea was really probably the most innovative, right? But it was a it was saying that this old idea back probably back in two thousand thirteen could actually be implemented. Not, right, but it's not. That's what I mean. It's not an innovative idea. But but it's the if he actually executed on it, he should have won first. He wasn't able to execute on it because I think most of his time was done doing research. But his I but he did have code which he didn't actually execute which it was it was yes, almost like it was almost like here's my code he, like I, I believe me if you you you're so he was also solo you come by yourself to a hackathon and in 24 hours you want to demo a decentralized oh. exchange oh. yeah that's a bit right? ambitious right it's a bit so ambitious. I'm like either and this There's is something bizarre is pretty and, ambitious too yeah but they had a team of like eight people that's true yeah and they all knew what they were doing yeah and uh, and they, and this was three years ago four years ago three years ago where this was new right mm-hmm. this it was new so if you're able to do this why are you in the hackathon go yeah, do it, do it. Yeah. right so to me this didn't feel like if this was to be a hackathon project there needed to be a group of like six people that thought about this for a while. Yeah. Uh, my, my, so real quick to follow up on that, I actually met the guy afterwards who, who seemed real smart. He, he was not able to explain this to me. And I asked him, do you understand this well enough to explain? He said yes, but he still, he was all over the place. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, hey, you both were up for 48 hours straight. So yeah, I was about to say, we're both, we're both <laughs> sleep deprived. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, it, it, it didn't seem like, um, 
a hackathon. And again, a great hackathon project when uh, the Airbits guys did it, I think. Uh, it was a great project three years ago when they did it and they had a team of seven. I, real quick, what, what do you think Junseth gave me as far as my score? I have absolutely no idea. You can ask him. Seems I, I wonder if he'll tell me. Negative. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder, well, it's kind of confidential, I would think. We were also doing like funny commentary, like I forgot who it was, but it was someone that involved um, like hardware storage. And then he's like, all right, so we're gonna use hardware storage. I'm gonna pull out my, my, my ledger uh, thumbstick. And like, I turn on the mic, cause we turn our mics off with the commentary while there's, I turn on my mic, I was like, well, that's a fail. You have a treasure judge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, 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 you, you gotta know who you're presenting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so we were giving that kind of comment. If we had something funny to say, I like turned the mic on. Like, oh, that's a, that's gonna end badly. Yeah. <laughs> you have a CEO of Treasure on uh, as a judge. <laughs> uh, before before we end it, anything notable that Chris said that you want to just throw out that was funny? Um, no, it was actually. Uh, I think I was being more controversial than Chris. What did Chris think? And I'm I'm curious because I, I was in the hackathon. What did Chris think about my project? Chris was Chris actually nailed them almost perfectly. The top six, like Chris was. Did he have me at fourth? Uh, he had you up there, yeah, like third or fourth. Oh, cool. Um, awesome. No, no, Chris actually nailed it. I was the I was the one well, missing. Chris got the first place correct, and uh, yeah, I think. Chris got like five of the six right and almost placed them in the right order. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, yeah, no, that's impressive. No, Chris's calls on who's going to finish one through six were almost perfectly on the money and mine were the complete opposite. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, I, I got the middle right. I got like the, the middle guys right, but uh, I didn't get the front right. I didn't get the back of the six right. And like four of my six didn't even place. <laughs> cool. Well, a lot of fun. I wish you could have been there. Yeah, so that. Tone, if someone wants to... Uh, look you up or get more information on you. Uh, how oh can yeah, find well, you? Uh, the best place to find me is probably on Twitter at Tone Vase. I have a blog called LibertyLifeTrail.com. Uh, I'm also on YouTube in two places under my own channel. Just Google Tone Vase on YouTube, and I'm also very commonly seen doing blogging on the World Crypto Network. Uh, there's a few shows on that YouTube channel, and I'm a part of a few of them. Okay, thank you. So for, thank you very much. Thanks Tony. for coming out. Thanks I for being on the takeover. Yeah, this has been. I guess we're going on the takeover still. I um, got. Yeah, oh, this is the first. This is the second interview on the takeover. Oh yeah, you had one. Yeah. So uh, you guys, you guys will get it. All it's, right. Uh, Bitcoin right. and Sensing has the same issue. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> <laughs>